You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Have your Bibles this evening. Let's look in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. And uh, Nehemiah is, um, is a special study for me. You probably won't be able to tell it by the time I get done preaching tonight, but that I've, I've done a little, spent a little bit of time in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, I've not, in the time that I've been studying my, my set, of, set apart study, I've still not made it all the way through the book as far as getting my study that I want to get done. I can't get past chapter 3 for the most part. And it's just the Lord keeps bringing me back to different things and allowing me to see some, some different things. And, um, but we want to look at, at him uh, just to really uh, try not to uh, be mindful of the time and, uh, and know that um, folks have to go to work tomorrow and stuff. So I, I don't try not to be over two or three hours, you know, so we'll be, we'll be all right. And uh, I'm not trying to get y'all to loosen up. I'm trying to get me to loosen up a little bit here, okay? I'm trying to get uh, some nerves settled down. But um, as we look in Nehemiah chapter 1, we, we'll just read the um, entire chapter. And um, for those of you who haven't got your Bible reading in today, we'll get a little bit of reading in this, in this evening. So the Bible says in verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month Kislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah, And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye trespass, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word this evening. Father, Lord, I pray that you'd bless it. Lord, I pray that you would... uh, Bless me then this evening, Lord, and I pray as I try to preach your word, Lord, that you will take and just use me, Lord. Help me to be that vessel, Lord, that you use. Lord, I pray that you would not them see me tonight, Lord, but to see you, Lord, through your word, Father. Lord, we love you and we'll thank you and give you the praise. Lord, we ask this in your precious name. Amen. We have here 
and Nehemiah, and um, some of us may be familiar, some of you may not be familiar, but we see here, and you know the, uh, the time phrase here, we're at the, the uh, tail end of the uh, Babylonian captivity years here, and uh, we have men that's preceded um, Nehemiah by the name of the man of Zerubbabel. He was a prince of the house of Judah. He was uh, what would be, a, he would be in that kingly line if they were still uh, able to have had kings at that point. That's the line that he was of. And then you have men like Ezra. He was a priest scribe. He was of that, uh, that line of, that was to handle the things of, of God in the house of the Lord. And, um, so you have these two men that are listed there that are of that time that preceded Nehemiah that were of some importance. They would have had been in this world. We would have looked at them and we would say, well, they are, they're a pretty uh, important person. They're a person of, of, of stature. They're, they're a man that's got a... Uh, there's something going on with him. There's somebody we need to keep our eye on. And then we look here and we see Nehemiah. And all we see about him is in verse 1, who he's the son of. He's the son of Hakaliah. And in the world's eyes, he'd be looked at as a nobody. He'd be looked at as somebody that was nothing. I say I'm thankful that God can use a nobody. That he can use a Nothing. You don't have to be something great. I'm telling you, you look at me, I'm not, I'm not anybody. Again, I've, I've quote what Abraham said. He said he was, when he's speaking to the Lord about to make intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, I'm but dust. That's what he said. And can I say that's all I am, I'm but dust. But the Lord seen fit. As Paul said, he said, I thank my God that He counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. And uh, I'm not a, I don't have a dad that was, a, that was a, a preacher. I don't have that preacher line. I don't have a... Even, there were no great evangelists in my family. There's no great missionaries in my family. But can I say that God can look down and if somebody's willing and, and they're able and they're just willing just to give their self of Him, that He'll use them no matter what they are. And I'm thankful for that. But we can see that, that basically as the world would look at Him, He's nobody. But Nehemiah's got some things that we need in our people today. We especially need in our young people. Hey, we say that uh, the young people are the future of our church. Hey, they're the now of our churches. It's not, not just the future, they're the now of our churches. We need to begin investing in them now and putting things into them now. I tell you, the things that I were able to learn in my lifetime, and I'm still having to learn things, but I'm thankful for men that put into me when I was a young man. When I was a young, when I'm before preteen and as a teenager, and as I got into my older, I'm thankful for men that were willing to put into me. But we see Nehemiah, that first thing we can just see, and this isn't the message, I'm going to try to go through these really quick, is he was a man of comprehension. He has some common sense about him. Can I say we need some folks with some common sense today? We're lacking. We seem to be lacking of some folks that are common sense. And I don't want to... I, I, I try to stay away, but I mean, it's hard to stay away from the times that we're in. I try to stay away from this whole pandemic thing. I don't want to... Uh, I'm not degrading it by any means. I'm not saying it's not a serious thing. I'm not saying that people's not gotten sick from it. I'm not saying people's not died because I know people personally that have gotten sick. I know people, person that has died from this thing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling it. But we've got to have some common sense about us. You can ask my wife, I get mad. We go into Walmart, and the, especially when this thing goes in, and I get mad, and I get to looking around, and I think, well, let's follow the sheeple. 
in the Walmart. And let's follow because they got to tell us where to walk. They got to tell us how far apart to walk. They got to tell us what to wear. We got to tell us how to look. I say, we need some common sense about us. And that's just an example. That's just an illustration. There's so many other things. You see our election process right now. I'm, I don't want to get into all that. <laughs> but we need some folks with a comprehensive, that's got some common sense about us today. And I'm afraid of, for our young people. Uh, I was talking to some of the men that was coming and talking when we was around the table just before service and talking about... Um, just the shape, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the phrase has always been said, if you don't uh, learn from history, you're destined to repeat it, and those things. But it also, if you'll take, and you want to see, you want to see, and uh, we see where America's at right now, but we want to see, you really want to see where America's headed. Uh, take a trip to me to Scotland, and take a trip to me over in the UK, and, and let me show you some things, and let me show you how they're living, and let me show you what we've got to, uh, not only have we got to show them the way of life, which is through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've got to show them that, but hey, we've got to show them how to just to, to be a man. You've got to show them how to work, how to, 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 to step up and be uh, dependable and be able to be counted on and to be depended upon. You see that, that secular way of life. And I say they're, they don't say they are, but they're, they're basically, they're a socialist country. I'm just saying, we need some people that can think for themselves. But the government don't want you to think for yourself. They want to think for you. We need some people of comprehension. That's why we're in the shape we're in. I'm trying not to get hung up on this, but I'm, I can't get away from it. We need some comprehension. We need some common sense. But we, we see that Nehemiah, as you begin to study, he was a man of convictions. He was not, as Ephesians chapter 4 said, he was not carried about by every wind of doctrine. He wasn't a double-minded man, as James talks about, that's unstable in all of his ways. He was a man that had some convictions about him. There were some things that he was not going to back down on. I like seeing these young men sitting here. Young men, have some convictions about you. Be willing to stand for something. And I don't want to get off into carnality, but there's a, there was a song of year that says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And there's some truth to that. I don't want to quote the, the carnality and all that. And don't give me, and don't, but, I mean, it shows a little bit of my carnality of the past. And, uh, but it's got some truth to it. We've got to stand. We've got to stand for this book. We've got to stand for what God has set forth for us. We've got to have some convictions. He was a man of character. He had some character about him. He, um, can I say that your character affects your conduct? And your conduct reveals your character. You need to have some character about it. His heart. We see his heart here in just this passage of Scripture here in just chapter 1. We see his prayer and his fasting. He was a worker. We see as you begin to read, he was a worker. Hey, we need some, you need to work. We had to have some men to work. And I can say uh, as a missionary that it's, it's good when you go into a, into a church and you're talking with the pastor and he begins and he wants to, a lot of times they want to know, hey, do you know how to work? Can I say that the ministry is more than just the spiritual? It's, it is spiritual and it is going and doing the things of God, but there is some physical work. There's some physical labor in this thing. 
Me and my wife had the opportunity in January to go and spend three weeks in Scotland. The missionary that's there, that's out of our home church, had to come back to the States and had to have double knee replacement done. And so we had the opportunity to go over there and spend about three weeks. And I spent, I preached and we worked in the ministries there. And, uh, but there were some physical things around the church that needed to be done. And I could do it. So what I did is I got one of the guys to take me to the supply house. We got the things that I needed, and I did the things that need to be done. You need to know how to work, and it's not just sit around and wait for everything. You can't pay for everything to be done, especially when you're on the mission field. You can't afford to pay for everybody to do everything. But we see here that Nehemiah had them, was a worker, and we know that because it says that the people had a mind to work later on in the book there. And why did they have a mind to work? Because I believe the man that was leading them had a mind to work as well. We talk about that everything rises and falls on leadership. He was a worker. He had some character about him. He was a courageous man. He was bold. And he was courageous. He didn't, he didn't back down from, um, from Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. He didn't back down from them. They were trying to get him to come down, and he said, why should I leave? I'm doing a good work. He was willing to stand. He was confrontational. Well, we're living in a time we don't want to be confrontational about anything. We just, I believe that's why our country's in the direction that it is now, because we've not been confrontational. They said, um, I believe it's Thomas Jefferson made the comment that every nation needs to have a revolt of some sort about every hundred years. I don't think we've had one for a while. I think we're overdue. If that's, if, that's, if that's true, we're overdue for one in our country. But you know what I'm trying to say. We need to be confrontational about some things. Nehemiah was willing to confront the people. They were gathered around outside the wall. They were gathered outside the city on the Sabbath day when they knew they were not supposed to be. And he asked them, why are they gathered there? And he says, if you come back again on the Sabbath day, he said, I'm going to lay hands on you. And he's not laying the hands of the presbytery on them. He's not talking about <laughs> anointing them with the Spirit. If you can get what I'm saying, he's talking about he's going to put a whooping on those. Just if I can say it in Alabama terms, he's going to put a whooping on them. But he's willing to be confrontational. Can I say our Lord was confrontational? In today's time, he say, well, he just didn't have any compassion. And I say, the Bible says the opposite of that. He said he looks out on the multitude and having compassion on them because they were sheep having no shepherd. Just some things about Nehemiah. He was courageous. He was confrontational. But he was a countryman. He was a zealous patriot. And this is the one that really gets me about Nehemiah. He was zealous about the place of his people. And what gets me about this is that we probably can tell you that Nehemiah was born in captivity. He wasn't even born in Israel. He knew nothing of Jerusalem and its glory. In the days that the walls were standing, that the temple was in Solomon's temple, in the temple of, of, of the most glorious temple that there was, he knew nothing of it. But he was zealous about his country. Now, as Americans, I'm proud to be an American. It don't matter the, the state that we're going. I'm glad that I'm born in America. 
I'm proud that I was born. I still believe, uh, aside from Israel, I mean, we know that that's God's chosen people, but uh, aside from that, it's one of the greatest nations on the, on the earth still today, and, uh, but God's going to see fit to put, but we need to be proud. And that's what we're, again, that's why we're in the shape that we're in today. Because we've raised up a generation that's not patriots anymore. They're not patriotic. They don't care. I remember being in school. I went to public school for some, a period of time, but I remember being the, the uh, patriotism as I was growing up that was there. And some of those that have got a little bit more years than I do on them can really remember that. But now we're coming up in a time where you can't even say the Pledge of Allegiance in a country that's supposed to be free. But can I say we need to be zealous patriots of a country that we have not yet seen. We need to be zealous of that. We need to be on fire for telling others about a country that we know not of. The only thing that I believe that Nehemiah knew about Jerusalem and Israel, what was told of him, what was in the history book, so to say. Can I say that's all we know about heaven is what's been told of us through his word and through others. And we need to be zealous about that to tell others about that and I've gotten stuck and I need to hurry on these things but we have here that's just a few things about Nehemiah and we see him and just some of the characteristics that he had the character that he had and and how we need to be in the day especially in these days and times I mean it's not going to get any easier as uh, as much as the society wants to say as much as that humanistic thinking wants to say that hey th- we're just going to get better we're just going to we're going to just uh, evolve and, and be these great no it's not going to get any better it's just going to wax worse and worse as the word of God says and so we need to have some of this same thinking and this same look as, as Nehemiah did but there's some more things that we'll look at here really quick and we see that we see about the thoughtfulness that Nehemiah had he asked he asked him he said unto me he said uh, he asked in, in verse 2 he asked of one of his brethren concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem he had a thoughtfulness about a place and the people there he was concerned about them he had this there he cared about a place and a people. But he cared about the problem that they had too. Church, we've got it the, where we need to be concerned about a place and a people and a problem. Whether it's for us, now we've got to be careful to not get sidetracked even while we're here on deputation. But our goal is to get to Scotland. And I mentioned a little bit while we were there that the Lord made us concerned about a place and a people. And they do have a problem. It's called a sin problem. They've got that problem in their lives. And we need to be care. We need to care about that. We need to be concerned about that. But we see here that it didn't stop there. And again, as I mentioned just a minute ago, what the Lord did in my heart about Scotland, but it became His place. Again, that's shocking because, again, I believe he was born in captivity. He knew nothing of the glory days, so to speak. But it became his, it was his place. It was his people. He could have easily gotten sidetracked. He was the king's cupbearer. 
He was before the king. He was in the palace. He had a luxurious lifestyle. This was no slouch position. This wasn't just an ordinary servant's position. Yeah, he was there to bring the cup before the king. He was there because he was trusted, because he had to partake of that to make sure there was nothing wrong with it before the king partook of that. But it was also an advisory position. The king trusted in him for his counsel and the things that he had to say. He could have easily just stayed there. But he was concerned about his people. And it became his problem. We know that they got a sin problem outside these walls. But a lot of times, because we're saved, we're born again, we forget about that. We're not concerned about it anymore. We don't get concerned about the problems that others have. Scotland, well, the UK is the capital of Europe for alcoholism and drug overuse, drug overdoses, drug abuse. And then Scotland is the capital of the UK for the same. And then the area that we're going to be in is the capital of Scotland for the same thing. Now you say, well, you're going over there, but it's easy still. To forget it that, hey, they've got a problem. It'd be easy to try to reach the ones that's, well, the ones that are better off. The ones that don't look like they've got so much of a problem. When they've all got the same problem. And they're all going to go to the same hell if they die without Christ. But we get that same here. We get about our everyday life. We get, we get carried about. We go to the... We go to the shops, we go to pay bills, we go to work, wherever we may go, we care about our daily lives and we forget about the people and that problem that they have. And we're not caring about it, we're not concerned about it. We see his thoughtfulness. But we, we see the tidings that he heard. We've, we hear about what's going on. You don't know what's going on in Scotland unless I was here to tell you about what's taking place in Scotland. I've had some, I had some of you, as we were talking before, and we began to talk about the things, and, and oftentimes I listen. I, when, me and my family, we know the video by heart. We can all quote it. If, if the audio was to go out, I'd get one of my daughters to come up here, and she could just quote it while, this, while the pictures were going across and, and that kind of thing. But I, I try to listen to the people because you can hear them whispering to each other. You can hear the reactions. And most of the time I always hear a reaction when, I, when you hear the percentage of, of non-religious in the country now. And then I see that sign go up that says, Dear Bigots. I hear the gasp. But you wouldn't know that if you, we weren't here to tell you that. We hear the tidings then we see the tragedy that's there. There's a remnant there. Instead of a, a land inhabited by a great nation, there's only a remnant of people that live there. And they were a great affliction and struggling to survive. There was a ruin there. Instead of a magnificent city, Jerusalem was in shambles. There was a reproach there. Where there had once been a great glory, there was now nothing but reproach. What a tragedy there is. Again, we could look at our own country and see that tragedy. 
within itself. But can we see His tenderness in verse 4? It said, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days. His response here, He had compassion. He had a deep sympathy and sorrow for another. I'm often again, I think about our Savior. What the Bible says on several occasions is He looked out over multitudes and had compassion on them because they were as sheep having no shepherd. The way He's seen the harvest as perishing, a harvest that is perishing in the field. He said, lift up your eyes in the fields for they're white already to harvest. That already to harvest means it's going to die in the field if it doesn't get plucked out. We see that care they have. Often I think about the, the, uh, what we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. We know that that Samaritan can be a typology of the Lord Jesus Christ because that Samaritan was a rejected person. It was a cast out person. And the Bible talks about, as Jesus said, He said, I came into His own and His own received Him not. He was a cast out person. But the compassion that that Samaritan had on someone that would have not have cared for him is that same care and compassion that the Lord had for people that did not want Him. And that He still has the day of someone that does not want Him. Can I say for us, personally in our lives, as we're getting ready to go to Scotland, they did not invite us to come. They don't want us there. But the Lord's put them in my heart to care for them and to love them when they don't even know that they need to be loved. The tenderness that He had... We see here that he sat down. He stopped. He slowed down for a minute. I'm thinking about as, as those some of you can remember as you get a, a, a phone call maybe one day and, and the person on the other line says, I've got some news to tell you. You may want to sit down for this. It's not exactly the same scenario, but I believe it's once he heard this, that's the effect that it had on him. He sat down for a moment. And he began to reflect on what had just been told him. We're, we're taught, as we were first announced our, our call to go and we were getting ready to go on deputation, our mission board told us to, to train us. He said, the first thing that you want to do, there's three things that you want to do. You want to get in the house. That's get in here. Then secondly, you want to get in the heart. That's getting your hearts for what we're wanting to do. And then you want to stay in the head. That's once you're gone, you don't forget about us. But my, my biggest concern is we get number two, is that we get in your heart about what the need of the people, that you sit back and think, wow, can't believe what I just heard. It's not because it's us but it's because of the need that's there. We see the, the tenderness that he sat down, he wept. Church, we've lost our tears. We've lost our tears over the years. We need to cry again for those in need. When's the last time we wept for a coworker, for an acquaintance, that we might just go to a local shop or something and we see them every day 
or every other day, once or twice a week, whatever it may be. When's the last time we cried for those? We wept. Sometimes it's easy to weep for family members. But when's the last time we wept for someone that we really just don't know that well? Because we know where they're headed if they don't change, if they don't accept Christ. But then he mourned. A lot of times the weeping and the mourning go hand in hand. But what the Lord smote me with is that mourning is like what I compare it to is losing a loved one. You mourn when you lose a loved one or lose a close friend. What's that? Why do you mourn? Because there's an emptiness there now. There's a hole there. There's something missing. That's the reaction that he had because of what he had heard. We need to have that mourning about us. Then we see the task. There were some destroyed walls. They could be fixed, but it wasn't going to be easy. But he knew the first thing he had to do was he had to talk to the king. Now the king with the big K, not the little K king. He stood before a king on a daily basis, but that ain't the king he had to get the favor of first. He needed the favor of the other one he stood before on a daily basis, but he knew he had to get the, the approval of the king of kings. Can I say, we've got a task at hand, and it's a hard task. It's not going to be an easy task, but it is an achievable task. But we've got to have the king of kings on our side. He said, without me, you can do nothing. It's if we are in Him, we are in the vine, we are the, he, he is the vine, we are the branches. If we are in Him, He said, without me, you can't do nothing. If we are in Him, He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's through His strength. It's through His power. As Jacob wrestled with God over there in, the, in Genesis, you see, he was trying to do it in his own power. You say, why did God... He wanted... Jacob didn't know that he needed him. He grabbed that thigh and that, that sinew shrank and he halted on that thigh from that. That was a reminder that he needed God to do it. And that was a life-changing event in Jacob's life. The task at hand. But then we see that because of this task that he knew who he had, he had to approach the king of kings. He had to confirm some things to God. He fasted. He had to put some things aside to let God know that he was serious about what he wanted to undertake. Church, we need to let God know that we're serious. Now fasting, we think about pushing the plate back, but it's not always pushing the plate back. We got devices we hold in our hand every day that sometimes we just need if we let them, they'll tell on us. Mine's got this thing, and you get it every Sunday morning, a weekly report. And it'll tell you exactly what you spent time on and how much time you spent on it. That's just one thing. It could be PlayStation 5's out now. I can hear kids drawing up shrinking up thinking no don't talk about the playstation you know what I'm saying there's some things we got to put aside 
that means something to our flesh to let God know that we're serious about serving Him. He had to confirm some things to God. He had to call on God. He began to pray. We see starting in just in, in the end of, of verse 4 and through the rest of this chapter here, it's a prayer of Nehemiah to God. He starts off by adoring with some adoration to God. If you take and you look at what we call the Lord's Prayer, when it's really just the model prayer, it's not the Lord's Prayer. What does he start off with? He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, he said, Hallowed be thy name. He started off saying, Holy is your name, adoring God. This is how, that's what Christ said. He said, We need, just need to start off by adoring him, praising him. And oftentimes we start off with our wish list. And you're old enough to remember the wish books that you used to, you used to get in the mail and you could look through them and find all... I remember those as I was a kid, looking through and finding all the toys that I wanted, the He-Man toys and the G.I. Joes and all this stuff and everything. And there, that wish list that I had, you know, I was marking it down. I knew I wouldn't get them get a thing of it hardly, but I was marking it down anyways. We start off with God with our wish list that we have instead of just praising Him for who He is, for what He is. But he acknowledges the Lord that he's the God of heaven. He acknowledges his awesome power. He acknowledges that he's a God of integrity. It's just some things that he, he's just trying to get God's attention. He's trying to get his ear. You want to get somebody's ear, you start bragging on them. It don't matter if they're across the room, you start bragging on them. They're going to hear, they're going to say, oh, what, what was that? God deserves it. And if we want to get His attention, just start praising Him, bragging on Him. But He confesses. He confesses His sin. He confesses His family's sin. He confesses His nation's sin. We want to see God do something in our country. Let's confess the sins of our nation. You know what our first thought is? Is well, I don't want to abort babies. I didn't sign the bill for same-sex marriage. I didn't sign for this. I didn't do this. But we're living in the nation that we allowed it to happen in, because we weren't, as I said earlier, confrontational, standing up for the, what's right for the Word of God. And it won't hurt us just to pray, Lord, forgive our nation for what we've done. We want to see God do something. Well, I think we've lost our focus. We've gotten focused on the rapture. And I'm glad for the rapture. I'll be glad for it to happen. I'll be glad for the Lord to come back and take us out of this wicked old world. I thank God for that. But we've gotten so focused on that, we've forgotten about revival. We've forgotten about reaching. We've just got focused on the rapture again because we get to go. Then we can see, we could look at the trouble that he had. There was trouble, Sandballot. Sandballot means hatred in secret. 
That's what his name means. There was some hatred there. He had some trouble. There's going to be trouble. When you decide to do something for God, there's going to be trouble. Then we see the trickery that was there, the tail-bearing that was there, the treachery that was there that these men brought up against Nehemiah. That was the trouble he had to face. And, and we're not any greater than, than, than we won't have to face that ourselves in these things. But I want to say lastly, the triumph. He committed and then he carried it out. And he finished the work. He did what he set out to do. We see that in, in, the, the, in chapter 6, verse 3 and verse 15, chapter 7, verse 1. We look at those that he finished the work. He finished it in 52 days. I don't know how many he had there, but still, that was a great feat, finishing that work. Rebuilding the walls in 52 days. I don't know a church and a pastor in, in America that want to start on a building project and finish it in 52 days that wouldn't be shouting from one end to the other to finish that. We've started building projects just remodeling a bathroom and it takes six months to finish one bathroom. <laughs> but he has finished the work. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. I believe that's where we get the phrase, talk is cheap. In all labor, there is profit. But the talk of the lips tended only to pure penury. It's cheap. And we see those that he tells us to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. He said, And the talking about us that run the race of finishing the race that is set before us in Hebrews chapter 12. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Amen. But we've got to not do as Matthew chapter 20, verse 6, where that, that good man of the house goes out to find workers in the field. And he finds them, even in the 11th hour, he finds them idle. In the 11th hour, church, we're in the 11th hour. If he comes out, is he going to find us idle? Are we going to be idle? As I started off, we've seen that Nehemiah sat down. But we see that he didn't stay sitting. He got up and went. Church, we need to get up and go and get about the work that God's put out for us. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.